0: to worship the holy God of heaven and of earth. Thank you for being here. It's been a great morning. I know we have visitors here. Thank you for being here as well. And if you have any Bible questions, again, please let us know. I'm going to begin our study this morning in Genesis chapter 1. If you'd like to turn over there, please, to Genesis chapter 1 in just a moment here. It's certainly great to be with you all today. Today's been a great day. Appreciate all the songs uh, that uh, Kevin led us in and the words at the Lord's table by Brother Bud in the prayers. It's a blessing to be able to worship God. This is what it's all about, uh, giving praise, honor, and glory to him. Let's remember our God as we go into the new week. Let's remember that indeed he is trustworthy and that we can always rely upon him. Well, we see that it's been attacked since the very beginning. I'm referring to truth. In the beginning, we find that it was God who gave Adam truth. He told him exactly what he wanted him to do. In Genesis chapter 1, we see... Uh, In Genesis, actually, chapter 2, we see God speaking to Adam in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, "...from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die." What God told Adam was true. That was what God expected Adam to do. And for a period of time, we don't know how long, but for a period of time, both Adam and his wife, they obeyed God. They obeyed the truth. But we know the rest of the story and how the devil came along. The devil came along and distorted the truth. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has, has God said, you not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Watch what the serpent said. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. The devil was a liar. And there are some powerful words of Jesus in John chapter 8 as he spoke about the devil. And I invite you to read that with me. In John chapter 8 and verse number 44, we're picking up in the middle of a conversation that Jesus had with some some of the religious leaders. And he spoke about the devil, and he's going to tell them that their father is the devil. They're not following God. Otherwise, they would have believed the truth that Jesus was teaching them. Jesus says something so powerful about the devil. He says a couple of things powerful about the devil that should be important for us to remember. In John 8 and verse 44, he said to those individuals, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. How powerful was that? The devil is a liar. There's no truth in him. He is a father of all lies, which means that we should never listen to what the devil has to say. And yet, sadly, what we find is that Adam and Eve in the beginning, they were deceived by the devil. They didn't hold fast. They didn't stand firm on the truth of what God had given them. Well, thousands of years later, nothing has changed with our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven, everything he says is true. And always will be true. We're reminded in Titus chapter 1 that our God cannot lie. That everything he says is true and who he is is true and right. And yet the devil has not changed either. He continues to be the father of lies. And he continues to deceive many. He continues to get many to to become deceived about the truth about God. and, And even the truth about truth. You see in our society today that there are many who believe that there is really no such thing as truth. This is being taught in in campuses or universities. This is being taught even in high schools. It can be found in books and on podcasts and things like that. That maybe there really isn't such a thing as objective truth or, or absolute truth. And there are popular phrases that people often say like, well, what's true for you may not be true for me. What is it about this idea of truth? Can we really know that there is such a thing as truth? This morning I want to talk about the idea that I want to talk about the idea of the truth and the truth about truth. While it's interesting that so many people will say, Well, there's really no such thing as truth, a lot of people want them to believe that what they have to say is true. And we need to make sure that we understand the truth concerning truth. And so this morning I want us to to guard or to to focus our attention on considering the truth and how important the truth should be for us. We should be people of the truth. We are to be the pillar and ground of the truth. We ought to be concerned with the truth. And First Timothy chapter 2, remember what Paul told Timothy in First Timothy chapter 2? He said some things regarding the truth, that we should stand fast on the truth, that we should be concerned with the truth and even sharing the truth with others. Look over in First Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. In First Timothy 2 and verse 1, Paul said this, First of all, then I, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We need to be concerned about the truth and certainly sharing the truth. And the truth should be very important for you and for me. As we think about this concept or idea of truth, truth can be defined as telling it like it is. Truth is that which corresponds to its object. Truth is that which describes an actual state of affairs. It is true that the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl in a quarter of a century. That's bad. That's true, all right? And I may need to go back to Cooper, Texas next Sunday. Maybe a little bit in trouble here. That is true, though, even though it is bad. Jesus, when he was on trial, Pilate said, I find no guilt in him. That was true. He was telling it like it was. His judgment was true. Indeed, Jesus was innocent. This is the idea of truth. And as we think about this idea or concept of truth, I want us to really turn our attention this morning to Romans chapter 1. As Paul wrote to the saints in Rome, he's going to talk a lot about truth. He's going to talk about God and the gospel and the faithfulness of God. And the problem of sin, not just for Gentiles, but also for Jews that all essentially have sinned. And I want you to consider some ideas, some thoughts that Paul discusses in Romans chapter 1 that should be very important to you and to me as we think about the truth. Listen, our children are under attack. There are plenty of people who want to teach our children that God isn't real, that there is no such thing as truth, that we really can't be sure about anything, that the Bible is not trustworthy. We need to know the truth about truth. And so what we find here in Romans chapter 1, in the first four verses, as Paul introduced himself in this letter, he reminded the saints, look at verse 1, he said, Paul, a bond servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy Scriptures concerning his Son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul began to talk about Jesus and the gospel of God and the power, or the the prophets of old who had spoken about the Messiah and how the Messiah was going to come from the descendant of. David, and certainly Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ, and He has been declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. In verses 5 through 12, Paul continues on with some introductory remarks as he begins to write more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And take note in verse 13 what Paul says moving forward. He says, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among The rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Paul had this earnest desire, this intensity, this zeal to proclaim the message of truth, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to bear some fruit there in Rome, and not just in Rome, but also in other places where the gospel had not yet been taught. And he's going to be emphatic about being eager to preach the gospel and and not being ashamed of the gospel because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. We'll see who God is and his desire for us to be righteous and the faithfulness of our God and what God has done for us. As Paul continues, Paul's going to paint a dark picture about man. About men, of, of Gentiles, and not just with Gentiles, but Jews and Gentiles and the problem of sin, and, and he begins this and when you get to verse number 18, as you read down really at the end of chapter one and chapter two, and then in, moving into chapter three, I just want to look at beginning in verse number 18 of chapter one. and I want you to notice what Paul says here from verse 18 to the end of the chapter. As I read this, I want you to see what can we learn from Paul about truth. Paul is going to teach us the truth about truth. I have six thoughts that I want to share with you this morning. As you read this, I want you to see, what do you see? What do you learn about truth? What is Paul helping us to understand about truth? Look at verse 18. He said, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile, and their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools." And exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image and the form of corruptible man and of birds and four footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust and the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women, exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Verse 28, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind, to those, to do those things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Those are some powerful words. What does Paul help us to see with this idea of truth? The truth about truth. What does Paul help us to see? I want to begin with this first thought here. That as we think about the truth, number one, That God is always the standard when it comes to the truth. God is always the standard when it comes to the truth. What we find here are are generations of times past, and certainly it applies to even people today who have been in rebellion against God, those who are going to experience the wrath of God because of their ungodliness and unrighteousness and because of their actions. And what we find here is that God is the one that decides what is right, what is true, what is right, and what is wrong. And we find individuals who have gone against what it is that God has established as being right or wrong. What Paul helps us to see is that when it comes to truth, God is always the standard that we must follow. It is not anyone else that we have to follow when it comes to the truth. And what we find in the book of Romans is that both Jews and Gentiles have rebelled against God, rebelled against his standard. All have sinned against God. And we need to know that God is always the ultimate standard. It's not us, it's not some movie star, it's not some social media influencer, it's not a politician, it's not our family, it's not our feelings, God is the standard. And we need to look to him when it comes to how we live our lives, when it comes to what we believe and how we conduct ourselves in this world. You know, many people today call things that are good evil, and many people today call things that are evil good. And you see the kind of this idea even in verse number 32, and he says, And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. This is going on even today, where people give approval of things that God has said is wrong. God is always the standard. Man is never the standard. And understanding this goes a long way with making sure that we are going to be pleasing to God. As we think about God being the standard, what this naturally means is that when we think about the idea of truth, the truth is that truth can be known, that we're not left in the dark when it comes to God and who he is and what God wants for us. Man has not been left in the dark. You go back to the garden in the beginning with Adam. God explained to Adam and made it very clear to Adam what it was that he desired for him and for Eve. And from the beginning, essentially man has been without excuse when it comes to recognizing the existence of God and ultimately following God. In Romans chapter 1, he said in verse 18, "...for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse." One of the most powerful thoughts is the fact that creation speaks to the existence of God. That we can look around and we can see by what has been created and what we experience that indeed there is a God. You can look around and look in the stars and look into space and you can look into the depths of the ocean and you can see the seasons change, the sun rise and the sun set. And that demands that indeed there is an intelligent being, a power greater than us. We can know that indeed God is real, that he created all things, and that he created us. One can know the truth about the existence of God to the point that we are without excuse. And while we certainly need concrete revelation or special revelation, God has certainly given us that as well in his word. But he speaks about the creation and how we can know, and individuals from times past could know that indeed there is a God. That they should have been seeking after him and learning what his will is. In Acts 17, remember when Paul was in Athens, Paul reminded those in Athens who were very superstitious and who had a sign that said, to the unknown God. They were ignorant with what they were worshiping and what they were following. And Paul wanted them to know that they could know the true and living God. That he was not far for them, that they could know the truth. In Acts 17, in verse number Twenty-four. The God who made the world and all things in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is He served by human hands, as though He needed anything else or anything. Since He Himself gives to all people life and breath and all things, and He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitations. Listen to this: that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He's not far from each one of us. Certainly my friends, we can know God. And we can know that he is real and creation speaks to his existence. While he is invisible, yet he is still clearly seen by what is all around us. And while we have this abstract revelation so to speak, God has also revealed himself through his word that we can know exactly what He wants from us and how to be obedient to Him. Truth indeed can be known. Paul, when he wrote to the saints in Ephesus, look over in Ephesians chapter 3. Remember what he told them about the revelation that he had received, that the apostles and the prophets had received, and what they had done with that revelation. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 3, remember what Paul said here. Paul said that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote, uh, wrote before in brief. By referring to this, when you read... You can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. Brothers and sisters, we can know the truth. The truth has been revealed to us. We have the truth of of knowing that God is real just by looking around us and looking at his creation. And we can know exactly what it is that he desires for us by looking into his word. He has revealed and given us his instructions through the apostles and the prophets. It was Jesus. And John chapter 8, going back to that same chapter that we began with earlier, as he was speaking to some of, some of his uh, disciples in John chapter 8 and verse 31 and 32. In John chapter 8 and verse 31 and 32, Jesus said this. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, or who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It is possible to know the truth. Truth can be known. Jesus would emphasize this as he prayed to the Father in John chapter 17, as he spoke about God's word. In John chapter 17, and verse number 17, he said, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We can know the truth. Truth, it can be, it can be known and it can be followed. And yet the question Maybe the bigger question for all of us and for people in the world, are we truly interested in the truth? Why would we even ask that question? Of course we are. We're all interested in the truth, right? Especially when it comes to money. You deposit money, you want to make sure that money is there in your bank, right? We're concerned about the truth when it comes to our money, and we're concerned about truth when it comes to our health. We're concerned about truth when it comes to our relationships. But you know what's interesting, when you go back to Romans chapter 1, while truth should always be our utmost concern, there are many who are not necessarily concerned about truth when it comes to God and His Word and who He is. Did you pick up on the language of what Paul said, what individuals have done with the truth? Did you pick up on that when I was reading it? You go back to Romans chapter 1, Paul helps us to see that when it comes to the truth, the truth is that the truth can be suppressed. That's what individuals have done, and that's what people continue to do today. Go back again and look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident evident to them. And so we see that individuals have uh, suppress the truth. And verse number 25, he said, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. There are people in times past and even today who have suppressed the truth, where they want to hold it back, they want to restrain it, they want to hinder it. And that's evident in in their lives. That's evident in how they do not worship God. It's evident in how they don't give him glory. It's evident how they don't give him thanks. It's evident in all their unrighteous behavior. And this is what we find in times past. The Gentiles and, and the Jews as well, they exchanged often the truth of God for a lie. Instead of worshiping the Creator, they would worship things that were created. Now, when people think about this idea, why would anyone want to suppress the truth? If truth is going to be so great and the truth can be known, why is it that people want to suppress the truth? Well, people want to suppress the truth because there are consequences that will come from following the truth. And God is the standard, and sometimes men and women are not, uh, do not want to follow that standard. And this is what we find. We find in this text here in Romans chapter 1, That people have suppressed the truth, and it's very clearly seen. And they have ignored all the evidence that points to God and who He is. And they don't honor Him or give Him thanks, as He said in verse number thirty-one. But verse twenty-one. But rather, their hearts are darkened, and they profess to be wise, but rather they are nothing more than fools. And they have given over the glory of the incorruptible God. For an image in the form of corruptible man, of birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. People don't often want the truth of God because they want to do whatever they want to do. And that's why people often are going to suppress the truth. God is the standard. And those who don't want to listen to God, they're going to suppress that truth. And they're not going to be interested in following him. What's interesting when you think about this text as well, Paul, as he speaks about some of the behavior, when individuals begin to suppress the truth, there's really no limit to how far they're going to go. There's no limit to how depraved their thinking really is going to become. And that's what he describes in in Romans chapter 1, that God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, whether it's individuals rejecting the existence of God or even how they use their bodies, men with men and women with women. I think this example here is showing us another uh, example of individuals suppressing what is normal, what is true, what is right, what is natural, what has been that way since the beginning of time. And nothing has changed. People today still suppress the truth. People today are still willing to reject the true and living God and to follow things of man. People today are still willing to exchange the truth of God to follow a lie And you think about the devil, he is a liar, he's the father of all lies, there's no truth in him. And yet many people today are willing to say, I'll take what he says and what he has to offer instead of following the true and living God. The truth still is being suppressed. God's word is truth when it comes to our sexuality. And yet people today still suppress the truth. People today say, well, just just live however you want to live. Do whatever you want to do with your body. It doesn't really matter. It does matter because God has given us a standard. And yet what do we see? We see people today who still suppress the truth when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to our speech, when it comes to, to conduct. The truth can set us free as Jesus said. And yet many people don't want that. It's still what they are willing to do and what they will go to great lengths to do to convince young people and to convince all of us for that matter. There's no such thing as truth. There's really no standard. You do whatever you want to do. You do whatever is pleasing to you. And many people today still suppress the truth, whether it's with atheism, whether it's with agnosticism, whether it's with all the different teachings that are in the world today. Are we going to be concerned about the truth? We need to be concerned about the truth. God has given us his standard. And we need to know the the truth and that we can follow the truth. And yet what we see is that people... From all ages have suppressed the truth. And what else is interesting, when you look at Romans chapter 1, we learn something else about this idea of truth. That truth transcends culture. If something is true, then it means that it's true for all people in all places at all times. We understand this when it comes to math, that 3 plus 3 equals 6. That's going to be true everywhere. That truth, it doesn't discriminate. That it's not a respecter of persons. That it transcends culture. Paul spoke about the sad reality in this book of, in, of, in Romans about both Jews and Gentiles and how all men have missed the mark. Truth transcends culture, and the same is true today. Listen, homosexuality was wrong in the beginning because God gave the standard of one man, one woman in marriage. Man and a woman, that's what's natural. That's what's normal. That was the standard in the beginning, which means that homosexuality was wrong in the beginning. It was wrong in the first century. And it's still wrong in the 21st century. It doesn't matter the time period. It's this truth that God has given us. Drunkenness was wrong in the beginning. It was wrong in the first century and it's still wrong today. And the idea of exchanging the truth about God for a lie, that was wrong. What Adam and Eve did, they rejected the truth. And instead they listened to the devil. That was wrong then. And that was wrong in the first century. It still is wrong today. Truth transcends culture. The standard has been given to us. The standard of men and women has been given to us since the beginning. And we need to make sure that we follow that standard. While thousands of years have passed, the truth still remains the same. Now, people often argue that, well, we don't need to really listen to the Bible. It's an old book, and it's not really relevant today. Well, is that true? See, people want us to believe that to be true. Is that true? That's not true at all. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. Time and culture and personal beliefs... No matter how strong they may be, brothers and sisters, it doesn't change the truth. In 2019, our society has completely changed the idea of marriage. It's completely changed the idea of marriage, of what marriage is all about, and who marriage is for, and the purpose, and and how God wants us to live in our marriages. But just because society has said, well, love is love. Do whatever you want to do. That does not changed the standard that God has already established. The standard has been set for us. And it's not just looking at society. Brothers and sisters, there are members of the body of Christ who have changed their views about marriage and divorce and about who can get married and who can, and who can get remarried and things like that. But God has given us a standard. And that is a standard that we must follow. What Paul spoke about, what individuals had done, What Gentiles and Jews in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the way that they had lived their lives, God had given them a standard, and God has given us a standard, and that standard is still true today. Paul paints a dark picture of individuals suppressing the truth, of individuals exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And remember what we read earlier that Paul... Paul was interested in preaching the truth. He wanted to preach the gospel of Jesus. And as we think about what Paul wanted to preach and proclaim, I want you to think about this, that what Paul is going to proclaim about Jesus and who he is in the gospel of Christ, that when it comes to truth, truth is absolute and truth is narrow. Paul made it very clear in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is what everyone needed. And that was the one thing that Paul said that he was going to proclaim, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was eager to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's what men and women need. We need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while Paul spoke about the truth concerning the gospel, as we think about who Jesus is and what Jesus has taught... We really need to know that the gospel indeed is powerful. And what Jesus has to say indeed is true. And it's absolute and it's narrow. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse number 6? Look over in John chapter 14 and verse number 6. In John chapter 14 and verse number 6 as Jesus was talking to his apostles, he made it very clear here that he is the only way. In John 14 and verse number 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. My friend, that is, that's absolute and that's narrow in nature. Jesus is saying, if you're going to be saved, you're only going to be saved through me. If you're going to go be with the Father one day, it will only be through me. Now, a lot of people don't always like that, but that is the truth. Jesus said, I am the only way. And our society today says, well, I don't know about that. The idea of pluralism is something that is popular, that, that really all religions are, are true and that it doesn't really matter which religion that you follow. It's ultimately all going to lead to the same final destination. That's not true at all. In fact, when you really start to look at different religions and compare what different religions have to say as opposed to the Bible, you'll see that, that that's an impossibility. The truth is absolute and it's narrow. It's, it's, it's uh, exclusive in nature. For instance, you look at the, the Quran, what Muslims teach and what Muslims follow. What the Quran teaches is that, that Jesus didn't really die on the cross, that Jesus basically was unconscious on the cross, that he didn't die. That's the idea of the swoon theory. And yet Paul said that indeed he did die. Bud read from John chapter 19 that helps us to see that indeed he did die on the cross. Well, both of those can't be right. The Quran teaches that, that Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Well, Paul just said in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. So both of those can't be right. The Word of God, what we have, is indeed true. The, the Quran says that Jesus is not the Son of the living God. Well, what did Paul just say in Romans 1 and verse number 4? that Jesus was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. So all religions can't be true. That's false. That's not true at all. And what we learn from God's word, what we learn from men like Paul concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to salvation, the truth is absolute and it's narrow. And Jesus is the one. That all men must follow. If the resurrection of Jesus is true, and it is, then that eliminates anything else. And that's why we need to stand fast on what we have in God's word, because indeed it is true. Jesus indeed has been risen from the grave, and he is the only source of our salvation. That's why Paul had this intense desire to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what men and women needed to be delivered from our sins. Now, as you think about the truth about truth, let me give you one more, one more thought. And by no means does this cover everything about the idea of truth. As we think about truth, I want you to consider that how we handle it will have consequences. How we handle the truth will have consequences. This is what we find, that certainly God is not pleased. You see this in Romans chapter 1 of individuals who exchange the truth of him. For a lie. And as you continue on in chapter two, he said in verse one, Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you, who passes judgment. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you judge, for you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things, you and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? You see, there is coming a day of judgment. And how men respond to the truth, it really does matter. There are consequences with whether or not we accept the truth, obey the truth, or whether or not we suppress the truth. He said in verse number 4, Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? God wants all men to be saved. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each person according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth. You see, we need to obey the truth. How we handle the truth, it really does matter. We must obey the truth. We, this is what we need to do. Because those who do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, here's what awaits them. Wrath and indignation. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. You see, how we handle the truth, it really does matter. And we need to make sure that we handle the truth carefully. That truth and how we handle the truth, our view, our perspective of God's truth our appreciation for God's truth, it will have consequences, which means for us that we need to make sure that we stand fast on God's word. We live in a world today where the idea of truth is not popular. You do what you want to do. That's your truth. You go and do that. I have my truth. I'll go and do that. That, That's not what the Bible teaches at all. God is the standard, and his word is the standard, which means if we're going to truly be pleasing to him, we're going to have to obey his truth. And there are eternal consequences when we choose to suppress, to deny, and to reject who he is and what he has to say. There's certainly more to say about the truth, but let's make sure as we wrap this up this morning that we appreciate God's truth and that we teach our children God's truth and that we're not ashamed of the truth of God, but rather that we obey his truth at all times. Now, maybe there's someone here this morning, that has not yet obeyed the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to make a decision. You have to make a choice. You need to know that Jesus is the Son of God. God wants you to be obedient to him. He wants you to follow in the truth and to know the truth and to share it and to help others come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's what we are striving to do here. If you are interested in the truth, we'd love to study more with you. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing. All things are ready Come to the